Today on the podcast, we have Kayla Jane Danger, fetish model extraordinaire who has come a very long way to be here on the podcast today. Admittedly, she didn't come out all the way here just to do this episode, but we do appreciate her coming on. Nonetheless, she's recently moved to Dominica and she lived through Hurricane Maria, which by all accounts was an incredibly harrowing experience. So I'm very much looking forward to her firsthand account of that. So without any further ado, here's Kayla Jane Danger. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, I have a very special guest who has come very long way, only to come on this podcast. It's the only reason that she's here in LA. Miss Kayla Jane Danger. Meow. How are you? I'm good. I gotta say, first of all, you look tan as fuck, <laughs> which is no surprise because you moved to Dominica. 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 Yeah. Okay. It's all about how you say it. Otherwise, people think it's Dominicana and they're thinking Dominican Republic and right. totally different country. Yeah, I was going to totally get that confused and show my <laughs> white girl very unknowledgeable geographic. It's not just white girls. No one knows about Dominica, so it's okay. My my geography is just like my worst. I like I don't know like what did it, like sometimes I think states or cities. I mean, sorry. Yes, and cities or states. Like it's the big the funniest thing is to give me a geography quiz cuz I just don't know where anything is. It's really bad. It's okay. You know, I I've helped myself learning the geography of the Caribbean in particular, mm-hmm. watching uh the paths of tropical storms and stuff. I'm like, "Oh, that's where that island is." Okay, good to know. There are two yes. islands down or three islands up, and then you kind of get an idea of all your friendly little state islands next to you. <laughs> Right, because you just went through the hurricane. Yeah, Hurricane Maria. How was that so much fun? Oh my God, it was so much fun. No, it was the fucking scariest thing I've ever been through in my entire life. I can only imagine. Yeah. So walk us through that whole experience. Like, what did you do when you first found out? Actually, hold on. Let's let's rewind. Rewind. Okay. You moved to the Caribbean. Yes. And I remember when you made that decision, I was like, wow, that is one fucking hell of a decision. And you were going to go and pursue your diver's license. And you were going to, because you are a I diver. Teach. Yeah, I teach scuba. And so you were like, I'm going to go out and become like a fucking scuba instructor full time in the Caribbean. And there was definitely a part of me that was incredibly jealous. And I was like, this girl is making this huge life change. She's moving to this place of paradise. And I could never do that because I'm so chicken <laughs> and I'm so jealous. So where did this decision to make this, to uproot yourself and make this huge change come from? Um, it had definitely been something that's been like in the background of you know my entire career. Mm-hmm. I've been diving my whole life and I always wanted, like that was the goal. It was like move away to a tropical island where I could dive all the time, be underwater and just live that life. Like some people are made for that island life and mm-hmm. I was definitely made for it. Um, and yeah, it was like, you know, I've been in this industry, in the adult industry for my entire adult life mm-hmm. and, you know, we age eventually. And no, we, no don't. we don't. Not if we have good doctors, we don't. <laughs> I know. I still haven't hit any of them up. You got any recommendations for me? Oh, I got so many. 
<laughs> so I thought, you know, like, let's use this whole adult industry life, whatever, that money that I've made and, you know, move on. Buy a house somewhere that doesn't cost a million dollars to live in like a little matchbox on some street that you hate with no neighbors that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found this little island in the middle of nowhere. Um, I had actually gone there to like mull over a business decision a few years ago um, and fell in love with it. And I was like, this is the place. It's just, it's jungle. It's like rainforest everywhere. It's gorgeous. And um, luckily, my partner is kick-ass and is like up for anything and just as much of a risk taker as me. And he's like, yeah, sure, let's try to move out of the country and and luckily, Dominica is pretty easy as far as like, um, I guess if you're not a CARICOM member, so you're not from another Caribbean island, mm-hmm. it's not that expensive to move there, like be mm-hmm. an expat. The cost of living isn't expensive. The cost of land isn't expensive. Um, it's really just like how much time do you have to deal with government, like a new government. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, it's not like there's like, oh, you have to pay all this money to come in or you have to you know, just jump through all these hoops. It's kind of just like just buy your land they and didn't build stay. A wa- they didn't build a wall. Yeah, no, there's no wall there's being no wall. built. No. <laughs> in fact, if you want to move there right now, you can still move there. Oh, wow. Uh, like they haven't, they haven't stopped tourists from coming since the hurricane. They're kind of just like, if you can figure out how to get here, Knock yourself out. Yeah, knock yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> Feel wow. free to stay and hang out. Wow. So yeah, so island life was kind of always the plan. I've been a scuba instructor almost as long as I've been in the adult industry. Um, I just wanted to start teaching instructors and I wanted to start, you know, just doing it all the time because why not? Who doesn't want to be underwater all the time? Um, and so yeah, we moved like June of 2016 and everything was awesome. We bought land, like started planning nice little island life. And I got really tan. (laughs) Yes, you did. (laughs) And yeah, and then I haven't come back to the U.S. much because it's just so different. And then once you slow down to like island speed, island time, then you're just like, why go back? Yeah. It seems so stressful. Is it like a real culture shock to come back here? Oh, yeah. I bet. Huge. It's like we're on an island where... It's not a materialistic place. Like you, mm-hmm. no one goes shopping there. Like St. Martin, St. Bart's islands, like that. Like people go there to go shopping. Mm-hmm. No one comes to Dominica. Like oh yeah, I really want to check out the mall. There is no mall. There is yeah. no outlets. There's they don't no, care what you drive. No, no one cares what you drive. There's like when I tell people I sold my fancy bright red slammed like wide body Mercedes and I got this like 2004 X-Trail like beat up you know SUV they're like what the fuck and I'm just like life changes man your priorities change yeah and then all of a sudden you're like this is what makes me happy like waking up in the jungle every day instead of like waking up in LA and being like oh shit I have to sit in traffic for the next the entire day basically so yeah definitely a Big lifestyle change, but like the best one ever. Yeah. Do you, how hard was it? Was it easy to make friends when you went there? Um, it was interesting because being like in the area that we are, it's kind of close to a medical school. So that's like pretty expat populated, a lot of Americans, okay. Canadians. So it's good for like transition because you mm-hmm. get some like comforts of America that you wouldn't mm-hmm. have otherwise. But at the same time, you also get people automatically assuming that you're part of this community and they're kind of closed off. Um, so it's nice when you have like some American friends that understand what you're coming from mm-hmm. and like what you might need to help you get used to this. Mm-hmm. But then it also turns locals off from being friends with you because mm-hmm. they're kind of just like, oh, you hang out with those people. You're just going to be hanging out with those people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took us a while to like find our crowd. 
Also, like with our age, a lot of people in the Caribbean leave their islands. Like they want a job, they want a career, and maybe they can't do what they want or like what they went to school for Mm -hmm. um, on our island. So they leave. So all of a sudden there's like no people in their 30-somethings or like in their 20-somethings that are around. So you have like, oh wait, I found one. You're my friend. I found (laughs) another. You're my friend. (laughs) You know? And then also like if they're on island, they probably have kids or they probably have like a government job or something that's like not our lifestyle necessarily. So it did take us probably like four to six months to like find people that were really like on our vibe and of Mm -hmm. our age and stuff like that. Um, And then now... I mean, we'd probably have more friends if a lot of them didn't leave the island after the hurricane. <laughs> it's so sad. Um, but we do have like a solid little crew. Yeah. A ragtag crew of, you know, mostly people from different Caribbean descent that have landed right. on Dominica. So what are the locals like? Are they pretty welcoming of the tourists and expats or are they? I would say so. It kind of depends what area you're in. There are some areas where the expats are like a you know, click like mm-hmm. in the university area and then some other parts of the island, they like just band together, mm-hmm. like all the Brits and all the French and all mm-hmm. whatever. And um, we try to stay away from those because mm-hmm. we just, you know, we want to be part of the community. Like mm-hmm. I said, like it's part of why we left the US. And it took, honestly, for some of our neighbors, it took the hurricane to realize like we're there to stay mm-hmm. and then to be able to, you know, start kind of engaging us like we're locals, like we live there. We're right. not leaving. We're not, right. you know, just like we're not here to just take your resources and leave. So a lot of that took like, you know, people look and see who you're associating with and and then they'll judge you based on that. So once they saw like, oh, they're associating with like kind of these families who have been here for a really long time, they're like, oh, they must be good people. Like, yeah, they must be kind of chill. Um, but a lot of times they're just wary because they're like, what are you here for? What yeah. do you want? Oh, that's cute. You want you want to start a business? So does everyone. Let's see if you'll last. Like, yeah. Let's see if you'll make it happen. But it's been working. Yeah, it's been working. We're still there. We haven't gotten uh, chased out of the island yet. And So do you have your own scuba diving instructing business or are you working yeah. for another one? Um, so I, I have worked for other people on the island, um, but we were starting our own business. It's called Salt, Salt Dive and Salt Retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I... I teach and we were in the process of getting all of our gear like for our personal business um, sent to the island and uh, you know, just starting to construct our buildings and stuff. And then we got the yeah, the just note you're on hold, start, pause, pause. So first it was like the government putting us on pause. They're mm-hmm. like, half of your business you can start. You can start cooking, you can start, you know, build your cabins and and take people. But the diving, we wanna we want to hold you for that for a little bit. So we're playing the the government game and the hurricane game right now. But we're hoping that hopefully by like New Year's, we might have an answer that's saying like, oh, you're still interested in a tourism business? We'll give you all your permits now. Like, Wow. <laughs> so there's been like kind of a lot of red tape that you've been dealing with? Yeah, just with the dive part of our business. Why do you think that is? Um, they made a law like a few years ago um, that that tried to say like all water sports businesses, I think all water sports business, but definitely scuba diving, they wanted to only have locals be able to open these businesses. But the whole part of my business is that I plan on teaching locals to be able to achieve these professional credentials mm-hmm. so that they can open their own business. Mm-hmm. If they can't reach those professional levels, they're opening a business that they can't themselves work in. Mm-hmm. So... 
And also starting a dive business is a pretty expensive business to start. And yeah. not a lot of people on the island have that kind of capital <laughs> to just be like, yeah, I can start a dive business with no experience and no, yeah. you know, whatever. And then I look at all the other dive businesses and I'm like, two of them are owned by locals, three maybe. Yeah. So, and the rest of them are, are expats. So it's kind of just that game of like, well, we'll just do whatever you say and we'll just go about our business. And, you know, and then obviously I'm also, because of what I do in the US, I keep it kind of hush hush on the island. Like, mm-hmm. there, our friends know about my business and stuff, but it's not something I need the government being like, oh, yeah. So, we yeah. know, you know, I'm just like, I don't want them either to think, oh, she's got millions of dollars because she's in the porno industry. Yeah. Or, But I also don't want them being like, this is a Catholic country, ma'am. Yeah. You can take your smut peddling ass right back to the US. <laughs> we'll see you later. Be like, but wouldn't Jesus want you to let me start this new business so that I can have a future that is not smut peddling? Yeah, I mean, Isn't they could be you saving you from yeah. porn. So. And you know what? If that's what they want to believe, I will let them at this point purely to get my licenses. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sure. It was totally no. I never, I never would have done this if I hadn't been told that. Blah blah blah. Everything that you know, all those people want to hear us say right. that are totally not true. Yeah. Let me reiterate that is not true. Yeah. I was not forced into this industry. Oh, you weren't? No. Oh my oh god. My god. Can you believe at the ripe age of eighteen, I actually made the decision for myself you mean what a, to do with my body? A woman can make a decision on her own. On her own. Oh my goodness. Oh my god. I know. This changes everything. I know. I know. Now, are your decisions going to change now? now yeah. I mean, I've you know my I've had a suitcase pimp with his gun to my head the whole time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I didn't know. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. It took me. Long time to figure that out. Thank you. You know what the funny thing is? I I actually, when I was going through the process of starting this new business, I'm like, do you know how much easier it was, you know, in my head, like to start a porn company than it was, right. <laughs> than it was to do this? And yeah, like I, I'm pretty sure every piece of paperwork I've had to fill out, like for any porn business licensing, I'm like, oh, that was easy. That took me like a half a, you know, like yeah. a half hour. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, fill yeah. out my paperwork and I'm like, this is like a multi-year process of yeah. paperwork, getting it checked and stamped by 20 different people and yeah. It's got to get frustrating. Yeah. yeah, but when you live in like paradise and you're like, okay, I can slow it down a little. You got to get used to, yeah, yeah, I mean, so how is it to adjust to that kind of slow down pace? Because we're so used to here, like everything getting oh, done, yeah. done, 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 done really quickly. And so I usually shoot in Mexico every year for Playboy. And yeah, the same thing. Like, so I have a producer out there who's actually a dive master himself. Ah, I should hook you guys up. Oh my God, yeah. He's awesome. Um, and he helps me produce all my shoots out there. But he'll tell me, like, we have got to submit, because I get permits from the Mexican government to shoot out there. That's amazing. Um, but we have to submit all of that stuff way ahead in of time. And people aren't going to get back to you the next day. Yeah. They're just not. No. And I mean, we have very similar work ethic, and we're like, when you're shooting, I mean, shoot is nonstop. And mm-hmm. once I start working, I'm not done. So there is there was a lot of like me wanting to throw my phone across the room mm-hmm. over the balcony, like yeah. ah. And when you call an office, a government fucking office, and you ask like what seems like a pretty straightforward question, and they can't even tell you who to direct you to that will give you the right answer, or they'll give you just the totally wrong answer. Mm-hmm. And you're like, we spent almost a year filling out and getting the stuff for paperwork that turned out to be the completely wrong paperwork for our residence permits. And we're just like, 
<laughs> we spent so much time like racing around Las Vegas before we moved, picking up all these different pieces of paperwork and documents and like right. your background check and all this stuff. And they're like, uh, we only need like two of these pieces of paper actually because what you need is a different piece of paper. You should start a business helping expats move to the Caribbean. We thought about that and then I was like, do I really ever want to do this ever again? And then I thought, you know, maybe I'll just post it on our blog, like, here are my tips. Yeah. Because people write to us all the time, surprisingly. I was like, who's ever going to move to Dominica after us? Mm-hmm. And then we started getting hit up by people, like, we found your blog. We think it's so great. You have so much information on moving to Dominica. We're like, good, because there was none when we looked except for the people for the university. And like, yeah. And your life is way different because the university pays for everyone's stuff to get shipped to the island. They mm-hmm. pay for their, you know, to figure out housing. They have all kinds of resources that no one else has if you're just right. an expat moving. Um, we had to figure out everything from scratch. So I'm just trying to tell people, like, if you're planning on moving there, sell everything before you move. Just move as a blank slate and buy your stuff from like an island nearby or from Dominica because it's just, it's going to cost you so much money. It's going to be such a hassle. You're going to pay even more in customs and taxes. And you're like, oh, this is used furniture. Why are they charging me like $1,000 for my couch? And like, yeah. you're just like, no, this is the worst. Why did I bring any of this? Like, and then you're like, oh, because you know, doing those garage sales for six weeks was a fucking nightmare. You know, like having people nickel and dime you over yeah. like the things that you never thought you would sell. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you're like, nope, they're just material things. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it sounds was like, like it's really changed your perspective. On oh a lot yeah, of things. oh yeah. I mean, moving there has changed my perspective on a lot of things. And then, like, even more after the hurricane, like, just yeah, go from. A city girl, like a New York, LA girl, who was, you know, I'm, I'm a businesswoman, which also means I'm a consumer, which also means, you know, there's like a lot to keep up appearances and to keep up like the level, you know, standard that you mm-hmm. set for everything. And then it's like when I tell people about like even just like our first days after the hurricane and like washing clothing in a river and your dishes in a river and yourself in a river and you're wearing like dirty shit because you're in the dirt like pulling your life back together and they're like I would never have pictured you like that in a million years and I'm like yeah guess what like I don't have a manicure or anything (laughs) yeah yeah well I mean you gotta do what you gotta do exactly but it's a totally different like if I had, if I had told myself like five years ago, like I would have believed the moving to the Caribbean part. I would not have believed the like post hurricane Kayla like new persona that has come yeah. out of this. I'm like, no, that human didn't exist. Like, yeah, <laughs> not even a few a few months ago. Yeah. So before we get to the hurricane, because I know that's yeah. gonna be a big topic of conversation. Oh, um, I want to talk a little bit about diving because yeah. I, so I'm certified scuba diver, which is hilarious because I actually don't really know what I'm doing. I've only been a few times. I literally got a I got certified when I was in Mexico, and I was hammered the whole time. And like the guy who worked at the dive shop just gave me all the answers because I was fucking him. So this was a long time ago. Yes, yes. yes. I'm like, so if like you were I am, this is a long time yeah. Ago. So I am like 100 percent like not actually like capable, but I'm certified. That sounds like my mom. I had to recertify her. Yeah. Um. I guess over this past year, when she was she has come and visited Dominica a few times. First time I recertified her. Second time we did her advanced. But it was like fully recertifying because mm-hmm. she did the same thing. She was really drunk. I mean, she wasn't fucking the guy, but she was really drunk taking this course in Jamaica and she just was like in and out, in and out. And then I'm like, no, no, no. We need to do this properly. Like, I want you to be safe, but 
also, I want you to enjoy it. You can't enjoy it if the whole time you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like freaking out, touching everything and like grabbing onto people. And so I got her recertified. I would happily recertify you. <laughs> I have to, to get go you back in the water. I have to go with a buddy, which you normally do anyways. I mean, I know how to like <laughs> get down and like sink and like breathe and swim, but like, like forget as far checking as like my pressure gate, any of that stuff. You're like, no, no clue. Fucking no clue. <laughs> and actually, the scare. So I went the last time I went diving. I went with my friend Luke. Usually, when I go, I go with my friend Luke. And um, I got caught by a current. Like we, I was behind yeah. him, and he was like, "Hey, come this way." I'm like, "Okay." And then I got caught in a current, and I did the worst thing you can do, which is panic. And I, we, thankfully, we were pretty shallow. Yeah. So I like freaked out. I'm like grabbing onto rocks, uh, trying to like, like stop. yeah, trying to stop myself from being swept by the current. And um, I start hyperventilating. I spit out my. <gasps> you spit out your rag. My no. rag. Yeah. And then I shoot to the surface. No. All the things you're not no. supposed to do. I know. Yes. Oh my God. I'm going to like use you as a story when yeah. I'm like talking to students. Terrible. Like, but luckily, like this. I said, we were pretty shallow. shallow. So like it, it was fine. I wasn't going to get the bends or anything. But I'm like floating there. The boat is really far away. <sighs> I don't see him. Was and this I'm in just, Mexico? Yes, and I'm just like I'm gonna die out here. I'm gonna fucking die out here. Like, how long to- did it take him to come up? And oh, find like you? three minutes. <laughs> You're like, it was but like fine. it felt like an eternity to me. <laughs> but he told me afterwards. He's like, if you get caught in a current, don't fight it. It's just gonna take you where it's gonna take you, and then just slowly go up and surface, yeah. and like the boat will find you. Yes. Like you're, you know what I mean. You can't fight a current. Yes. And I was totally, I mean, I'm like, <laughs> trying to hold on to seaweed So and what shit. I would recommend for you <laughs> is that you buy yourself a submersible marker buoy or surface marker buoy. You can travel with it. It's like a bright orange tube thing mm-hmm. that like rolls up. So you can put it in your rental gear and then if you get separated and you're on the surface, you just blow this thing up and it's like six feet high out of the water and usually has yeah. like a little reflector strip on it. And then you can be like, I'm over here, I'm over here. Yeah, I mean, there was no way like, like a I whistle. said, we weren't that deep, like, I mean, I was fine, but when you feel... When you're scared underwater, there is nothing worse because yes. you're just like... You're not in your element yeah. and you can't fight nature. Like when nature has you, which obviously I know you know about... There's like, nothing you it, can do. It makes you realize how small you are. Yeah. And, you know, like we here in the city, you know, we think that we can conquer the planet and we have a hold over nature and we can just, you know... Meanwhile, you, you live in cars and you don't have control over those. So how right. how could we possibly have control over nature? Right, like, but we we think that way. We've trained ourselves to think. You know, yeah. we're human beings. We can do everything. So when you're in that moment, when you're really you know subject to the whims of the current, the yeah. ocean, yeah, you're like, wow, I am not as important <laughs> as I think I am, and this is terrifying. Yeah, it's like one of those things that I love telling people when I get them in the water for the first time, and I'm like. You're about to see things that most of the world will never see. Yeah. And you'll see things today that even if you're back at the same spot tomorrow will be completely different yeah. just because of how quickly things change underwater. And it's this amazing magical place, but it's also so fucking huge. Yeah. And you're like I've dealt with people who like they've never left Los Angeles when I used to teach in LA. Mm-hmm. And LA is a big place. You get them underwater and then you start explaining like Think about how many countries you've never visited. Mm-hmm. Now just think about how much more water there is in this world than land masses. And all of a sudden, you know, their eyes get bigger and bigger because they're like, oh shit. Like, 
I really yeah. only explore this much of existence yeah. and being in this one tiny little place. Yeah. So it's like you have to teach people though that respect as as well as like the actual skills that they're learning. Otherwise, they get into the water cocky and they're like, "I can breathe underwater." Yeah. And I've been doing this over half my life, and I still get in the water every time. Like. You're allowing me here right now. Yeah. This is not my environment. Yeah. This is as much as I love to think that I'm a fucking mermaid because underwater I am so much more graceful, coordinated. Like everything yeah. is just easier. My navigation skills underwater are bomb up on the surface. I'm like, ah! yeah, I don't know where anything is. I can't find a Starbucks that's right across the street from me. So, yeah. like, as long as you have that, as long as you understand nature always wins, like, I've gotten swept in currents. You just got to be like, okay, change a dive plan. We're now just going to go with the current. Yeah. We're going to see how far it takes us. If we need to, we'll go up slowly. It's kind of a metaphor for life. Yeah. You've kind of been swept along by the current of life, which has ended you up in another country. Yeah. Yeah, no, diving is really magical. I remember that one moment that I really like felt that that connection and I was swimming and I and I like turned around on my back and I looked up and the sun was just coming through the water in a certain way and this school of Ugh. fish just swam over me and the way that the sun glinted off their scales. Yeah. I was like, this is the most incredible thing ever because it is, it's a completely different world. Yeah. It's a total alien world. But as a photographer also, like you have to see the, I mean, there's... There are so many sites underwater, yeah. and, and water does so many beautiful things yeah. with light. And that, yeah, like, I actually want to show you. So I also went pictures um, underwater. Yeah, so my yeah. friend Luke taught me how to do underwater photography, and I still like that was really hard because keeping myself buoyant and trying to get like the picture straight, and yes. then I was shooting uh, sea lions. Yeah, and that was, and I went to Los Islotes, which is one of like the best places to go, like uh, diving with sea lions, and I went during the. Um, <clears throat> the breeding season. Oh, nice. So it's a bunch of pups. And you know how they're <gasps> very, very playful? Yes, they're so much fun. They yeah. like nip at your bubbles yep. and come and... They're super you know, cute. If you're feeling ballsy and you want to... I know it's cold water diving, but Santa Barbara Island has some of the best sea lion diving. And it is literally... It's it's like a 45-minute boat ride mm-hmm. from Long Beach. So, really? Yeah, it's right. amazing. I, Highly recommend I, it. I hate cold water, but maybe I know. But you know what? Go, go find someone to dry suit certify you, and then you'll be nice and cozy in yeah. your like, flannels underneath your dry suit. And you're like, <laughs> oh, I can sit underwater and take pictures forever. This so awesome. we went and we swam. And so I was shooting these sea lions, and um, it was so cute. They had, because a lot of people snorkel around there, one of, they're just like underwater dogs. Yeah, they are. They they're totally stole like dogs. Snorkel, snorkel from one of the pe- one of the people, and they were playing catch with it underwater, and they were chasing each other, yes. just like dogs. It yeah. was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. They are so cute, and I'm not. So I cute. wasn't a dog person until recently, but sea lions, just like that personality. Yeah, like, I never thought a sea lion would have a personality. Yeah, and then they have the eyes too that are just like puppy dog eyes. Oh. That's actually kind of an incredible photo. I yes. can't believe I got that. My friend Luke was like, "How did you get that photo?" He's like, "I've been doing this for it was just forever." Pure and you're like, "Dumb luck." It wanted me. I had no. I couldn't even focus. I couldn't see anything. I had no idea what I was doing. So this is him oh, with um, this one sea lion. Like loves him, and she like <gasps> follows him everywhere. And she was doing like this dance for him, and she would like let him hold her. So this is them chasing each other. If you just swipe, oh my god, with the with the snorkel. You guys had. Great visibility. Yeah, know. it's the that's why it's Beautiful. great for shooting too because it's shallow yeah. and so it has really good visibility. 
But it was like really incredible. I had such a great time. I would recommend if anybody goes, if you guys go to La Paz, Los Islotes is, is yes, so cool. That's so amazing. Yeah. They're so so I mean, I definitely want to do it more, but I just, I get caught up in the everyday LA thing, trying to run a business. And, but like talking to you makes me definitely realize like, you know, we get so trapped in our own little bubble, in our own little world, and we forget how big the world is. Yeah. And we forget how many other opportunities are out there. And we think that we're stuck in these lives. And even we if have. we're traveling, we still tend to pick, you know, the same kind of thing to do, the same yes. kind of place. Or we're so trapped in our day to day that we're like, I have to get away, and I want the polar opposite thing. So even if you were like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to go to like, I don't know, Amsterdam or Paris, then you're like, oh, but I just want to lay on a beach and drink fucking cocktails or do whatever and mm-hmm. like do nothing. Mm-hmm. And then you're just like, okay, how do I find the happy medium between seeing every museum and every site in a place and being a useless person that's just <laughs> melting into the sand? Right. And I feel like diving is one of the, like, yeah. for me, that's the thing. I mean, I love hiking. I, I can do all those other things. I can go kayaking and whatever. But underwater, it doesn't matter what country it is, if it's cold water, warm water, like, I will learn something that I didn't know about that country, that place, something about the history maybe. Mm-hmm. But there's not a chance in hell I would have paid attention to if it was like above water. Right. It's just inherently more interesting to me once it's based underwater. Yeah, absolutely. So I would rather those kinds of you know travels take me to the places that I wouldn't see otherwise. Um, and even when we teach, there's a phrase in the Patty world that says, meet people, go places, and do things. Um, and those other things are supposed to be the things that you do with the people that you meet and the places you go because of diving. Right. And honestly, I mean... I've met all kinds of people that I'm still in touch with today that I, you know, I learned to dive with when I was 13 or 14 or 15 on different mm-hmm. trips in different places and I'm like people don't like people don't have friends like that anymore. Like those are the only friends I have. Like I, my friends from school weren't like they're not real friends, but like all yeah. these other people they, you know, you have that one thing that kind of drives all your other passions. Yeah. Especially when it comes to the dive world, you have a lot of people who are on the same level when it comes to their their care about the environment yes. and their, you know, the things that mean the most to them. Like, you know, so you tend to just have more in common with them. Of course. Which obviously is then also like you find yourself being like questioning all of your, whether it's the materialistic or consumerist things in your life, where mm-hmm. you start thinking, like, I can't believe I used to drive this kind of car and it used to do these horrible things to the environment or whatever. And you're just like, again, you have those, it's like, I don't know if it's just a different time of life or yeah. or the things that you realize like, oh, that life in LA where I was constantly just on the grind for what? Like so I can keep living in LA. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? And it's like I think about that because I work all the time, all the all the time. And I love what I do and I'm happy most of the time working, but then sometimes I do sit back and think like, where is my life going? And like what am I I don't know. It's like I <laughs> I'm, You're like, I work so much to I, make money and yeah. I don't have time to, to enjoy, enjoy. And I actually, I don't even have money. I don't know where it goes. I don't know. In this industry, no one knows where it goes anymore. In this industry, it's just like you just spend it on something else. My insurance is a lot of money. Another production that comes Another up. Another production and- <laughs> that I got to spend. I got to buy new equipment because yeah. this thing broke. Yeah. My rent, you know, yeah. my car. Everything. Like, just having fucking dinner in this city. <laughs> I'm like, where, you know, like I'll look at my taxes at the end of the year and my accountant will be like, oh, wow, this is great. You made more money than you did last year. I'm like, where the fuck is yeah, it? None of it is in my bank account. Yeah. So it doesn't exist. Yeah. Like for sure. But there is, like, I had, I actually remember writing down something and it was, 
maybe a year or so before I left LA and like moved to Vegas. And it was basically like I saw the two paths my life could go in. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you could do all those things that you want to do and all those like make all those big risks and do them now. And then the other side, I was literally like, well, I can run a porno empire and have a white picket fence life and like have a kid and like I'm like get it like an AVN award yeah and and I'm, like, but I'm like looking at myself like is this really what I want like I mean yeah I love producing porn and I love doing what I do and I love performing and I I love the shit out of all of it but there's a certain point especially in the current climate of everything you're like how much of my emotional labor physical labor money Every mental fucking power and years of, you know, when other people ask like for a CV from me, I'm like, ha, I've worked for myself for the past like 12 years. I can't tell half the people I'm trying to possibly be employed by what my employment was or what my company was. So then you're just like, well, that's cool. But then I really was looking at these paths like, well, one of them requires me to commit to the adult industry for pretty much the rest of my life. Right. And I was like, as much as I like it, how much can I really like tell myself that I'm going to want to do this forever? Right. So it's like obviously I'm still here. I'm still doing it because I still love it. Otherwise, you know, it's not like it used to be. And I no, remember, no, I remember doing interviews. I don't even know how many years ago. Yeah, we're so recession proof and fucking. Just we got through the that, we got through the recession, no problem. And then it was like, oh, but now when people are doing well again, we're just no. yeah, <laughs> no. Nope. I know. It's scary, isn't it? <laughs> it's like if tech is doing well, porn is doing bad or something like that. <laughs> I swear that's like, I, I've stopped trying to figure it out. I, like t- analytics, I'm done with. I'm like, I'll yeah. just pass that on to someone else. I don't get it at all. Yeah. I'd rather be up in the air with like a million other things than, am I putting money into my you know business for no reason <laughs> anymore? Yeah. Or like, I know there are people buying it. I know I have customers. I know I have fans, but like... I know, I know, I know right? And when you're a one-woman show, yeah. you know how it is when you're like, oh, yeah. all these people expect so much from you, and you're like, you realize I'm one person. Yeah, like, oh, I know. I actually was funny. I was thinking about doing a really funny little um, like uh, video where I like, because I saw like somebody else was like introducing like their crew and they would show all the different people and they would have like their like, like Instagram or whatever. They'd be like, and I just thought like I would do that. Like, here's the photographer. Me, here's our director. Me. me, here's our video person. Me, social media here's our PA writer. Me, like I have like literally every job that most people hire yes. somebody else to do, and it would all but like it would be me in different outfits. Yes, but it would be all be me. Yes. No, I had I had someone contact me because I was saying how you know a bunch of people flaked on me the other day, <clears> and I need you know performers that I that I can guarantee. And someone was like, well, if you can fly me there and pay my rate. And I'm like, honey, the days of me being able to afford your flight plus your rate are long gone. I'm yeah. sorry. Like, no. I My company has set rates. This is what we've been paying for a very long time because this is what works. It still pays everyone, I think, very fairly. Mm-hmm. But like, we don't have extra people. Like I've got, I've, I've gone back to doing jobs that I stopped doing for a while, so that I could still pay my performers properly instead of trying to be like, Ooh. oh yeah, no, I totally like if I have an extra expense or I have a more expensive shoe, I don't ask the performers to be no. take less money. They're not doing less work. I just, as a producer, you have to take on that responsibility. Yeah, you just. Make but less then money. I love when the performers act like we're going home somehow with money, and I'm like, you realize all this money came out of my pocket, right? And I don't get a paycheck at the end of the day. Like, yeah, 
That's all you guys. Like, I know. Um, no, but that's cute that you think that you think that I'm like I don't work for someone else that's paying me. Yeah. So, but I get it. Like if you're only working for certain mainstream companies and that's mm-hmm. you know what you're used to or whatever. Well, you know this industry is very diverse in its way of doing business. So yeah. get used to it because yeah. at least I pay you same day. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> you could be stuck on payroll, getting paid like three months from now. Yeah. Who knows? So. So tell us about, speaking of stormy weathers, <laughs> oh, I don't know, it was a terrible segue. Tell us about the hurricane. So, okay, so st- from the beginning, like when you saw beginning. that it was brewing and yeah. it was possibly headed your way, what, what went through uh, your head? Um, well, I was like, at first I was just thought, okay, another one. Um, we had just had hurricane, ooh, what was that? I lost, we Mail? lost things. Mail? I lost we one. We sounding day. Okay. I lost sound in my left ear. Yeah, me too. Is it this connection? There we go. Oh. He's here okay. Yay. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just the <laughs> connection. So, um, so... We had just had Irma, and Irma hit us as a tropical storm. But we had prepared for it like a hurricane because we heard it was going to be huge, and everyone made such a big deal about the eye hurricanes and, like, you know, it was Ivan and whatever and all these other big bad hurricanes. So we got prepared. We got water. We got, you know, extra canned food and all this kind of stuff. And then um, that passes, no problem. Okay, so drink that extra wine and drink some of the water and eat some of the food. And then we hear... There is a tropical storm that's brewing, or like it starts out as a depression or a wave, and then it slowly, like all these terms that I learned that I didn't mm-hmm. know before, and then it like builds and builds in a tropical storm, and then it starts on the hurricane categories. So we found out it was going to be a tropical storm, and I'm pretty sure it was like the next day uh, it was already a hurricane, and then we were told it was going to like they were pretty positive it was going to hit us. It was either going to go directly below us or it was going to hit us. Um, we have like an app that shows, you know, the wind and the rain and everything and like right. where it's supposed to be going. And we're just like, oh, this looks bad. Like, yeah. okay, this is looking like it's actually going to hit us and it's not just a tropical storm. And our island got its ass kicked by a tropical storm like two years ago. Right. So we're like, if it can't handle a tropical storm, like it can't handle a hurricane. Yeah. So we're thinking, like, oh, our house seems pretty safe. It's concrete. It's you know, like a beast of a house. We're like, we're okay. Like, we'll just we'll worry about our friends. We'll worry, make sure that we have like all the stuff that we need. Mm-hmm. We're good to go. Um, so we kind of organize our house. Um, we get all of our stuff, like our most important stuff, like passports, marriage license, uh, deed to our land, like all this shit, put it in a dry box or in a dry bag. Um, yeah, cat food, some candles, all kinds of stuff that we would need, get the cat crates out and just in case, want to be prepared in case yeah. we need to go down to like the, the apartment underneath us. It's like a little bunker. Um, and then at like, we pretty much all day on, was this Monday the 18th, we had like tropical storm all day. So mm-hmm. we see like the hurricane under our island and we're like, we already have tropical storm and it hasn't even like mm-hmm. really approached us yet. So we're like, this is going to be a long day. And we knew we were like, we're probably going to stay up all night because even if it's just like a storm, it's probably going to be pretty intense. So we want to mm-hmm. be aware. So we're like getting coffee ready and like watching the last of TV before we know they're going to shut the power off at a certain point mm-hmm. just to make sure no one gets electrocuted. So power goes off. We still have cell phone service. We still have like data. So we're, you know, keeping track of things still and everything's fine. 
our friend messages us and says they just saw their first roof come off. And but they're like, oh, it's just a little like shack. So of course these things are gonna happen. Right. Like, it's just a roof. And we're like, well, some of our banana trees are down already. And they're like, yeah, but everything takes down a banana tree. It's not that like it's <laughs> not that hard to knock down. They're not even really trees. They're just big berry bushes. So bananas come down and we're just like, okay, well, it's you know, hurricane bolts and everything on the doors, and we have nothing to cover the windows. So we're like, we don't fucking know what to do. This isn't Florida. We don't have like a kit ready to go. Mm-hmm. And so we're just, you know, put some stuff kind of in front of them and like move things away from the windows and um, then around, I don't even know what time it was. Like basically, the hurricane category kept just jumping. Mm-hmm. And then right before data went out, I posted like my last tweet, which was we had just seen like the NHC had posted. It was now category five, and it went up on their Twitter. And I was like, "Fuck my life!" And I texted uh, Jenna, Jenna J. Ross, mm-hmm. and I was just like dude, this is so much worse than I thought it was going to be. I'm fucking scared to death. And it hasn't, like, it started, like, I think by that point, um, inside of our house, it started flooding already because our veranda, even though we're on the second floor, like, our veranda just was full of debris. Mm-hmm. But it didn't seem like, it seemed like the, the storm was still outside. Like, mm-hmm. it just didn't seem as scary, even though it was, like, two inches of water in our house. We're mm-hmm. like, okay, this is, like, I'm actually starting to get anxious. And, um... So I had like posted that I think on Twitter and on Instagram and I was like, I'm not religious, but I'll take anyone's prayers. I don't care what God you believe in. Like I'm trying to be strong, but I'm like, I'm fucking scared. And my husband is, you know, like trying to be strong and yeah. like strong man. Yeah, I've got this and you know, we're gonna be okay. And um so at like nine something must have been like or eight between eight and nine, like our the data finally went out. Like we have no contact with anyone. We have no way of looking at the app to see like where this hurricane is now. We have no fucking idea. So you're just like going into the rest of the night blind. It's already pitch black out. You're just like, I'm not opening my door for shit. I yeah. don't care who, like what is going on. I'm not opening my doors, I'm not doing anything. And like maybe like from the time I texted Jenna, we started moving things into our guest room. Like we got the cats in the guest room. We got all of our like most important stuff in the guest room. Your and cats then, just flipping out. Yeah, they were not too pleased. But like they were actually letting me like manipulate them and like mm-hmm. take them. They were kind of just like, whatever you need to do to us. Yeah. You know, so we put them in and then like it feels like right after they got inside the guest room, all the doors blew open. Like our what entire the veranda, the it's just like all accordion doors. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden it was just like one gust in and then whoosh, and they just went. And then they just, then it was like flapping in the wind, these like huge fucking doors. The hurricane came inside and was just like whirling through our kitchen dining room area. It's like we a fucking rain poltergeist. Is yeah, it was like it was like a horror movie. It wasn't even like a natural disaster movie. It was like a horror movie. Oh my God. And like shit is flying. Like everything that we'd moved inside that was outside got pushed back outside. Barrels flying, things like. We can't even see what's going on in the distance. We don't want to see what's going on in the distance. We're just like, how do we lock this shit down? Get in our guest room. This is dangerous. We tried closing the doors. Like we tried, you know, putting rope around them. Didn't work. Everything got torn off. And that was when doors actually started to like break off the hinges and mm-hmm. just go flying. Um, all the slats on the doors. Were, were you terrified out. about being pulled out? Into oh my the God. Wind yeah. As well? I'm like, I'm a little person. Yeah. My husband's much bigger than me, but I was like holding on to things the entire time because I was just like, 
like, I don't want to go flying. And yeah. And then we got into the guest room and we're still hearing all this shit just outside slamming. We can't tell the difference between that, the actual hurricane, roofs ripping off, trees. We have no idea what's going on outside at that point. Just that shit, our our doors are gone and there are plenty of other places that are gone. Um, So we went into the guest room and the guest room was probably the worst thing of my entire life. We spent about two hours in there thinking we were going to die, like straight up. Just like he was holding the door closed, like just leaning against it with all of his body weight. The cats and I were under the bed and because we thought the window was going to blow in, we thought the roof was going to come off. There's water like under me on, you know, on the ground. Um, And we just like the noises that we heard from in there and like it felt like an earthquake, like the entire concrete structure yeah. is just trembling. And we're looking at each other just like, you know, saying our goodbyes basically. Like, if we die right now, like, I love you. And wow, the greatest adventure of our life, but holy fuck. Oh my God. And yeah, and then at a certain point, um, I guess my husband grabbed his big balls and was just like, okay, I'm going to go check downstairs and see if we can move downstairs because he was just like, we we won't survive if we're up here. Like, we have to go downstairs. So he went downstairs, and I'm like, this watch is my best friend. I'm sitting there writing down. I have, like, kept a diary the entire night. And I'm like, okay, at this time, he left, and he's going to check and see if everything's okay downstairs. And, like, time is going, like, fucking molasses. And I'm just like, he's never going to get back. Like, what the fuck? Like, what if something horrible happened? I wouldn't even know. Like, I'm too afraid to go out there myself. There's, like, no. And he finally comes back, and he's like... Like his eyes are down, he's not looking. I'm like, please tell me it's okay. Like, please tell me we can go downstairs because I can't stay in here anymore. And he's bleeding from his ear and he's got a knot on his head the size of a fucking tennis ball. And he tells me that when he was going outside and like through our carport into the main door, um, the windows to the downstairs and the doors had blown open. So there was like a huge wind tunnel. Yeah. So he like opened the door and got sucked in and then out again and the door just slammed on his head. Oh my God. So I'm like, great. Now he probably has a concussion. I'm a mess. And like, how am I? Like, we need to get out of here. Like, we need to go downstairs. Like, we need to get out of here. So put my raincoat on, put my go bag on, grab the, you know, each of the cats, put them in their, in their little carriers. He grabbed a carrier, I grabbed a carrier, and we just... Trying to maneuver with the fucking cats, because it feels like, it sounds like you need both hands to hold on. Well, luckily, so because of diving, we have dive lights all over the house, Mm -hmm. um, and my favorite one goes on the top of your hand, so it's kind of like a little glove that you put Mm -hmm. on, so you still have your hands to use for whatever you need, so Mm -hmm. I've got you know both hands on the cat carrier, especially because my cat's a fat ass, and he takes all of my strength. Of course, I got the fat one. So... We had to butt scoot down the stairs because we're just afraid of like galvanized coming and chopping us in half or who knows. So we like butt scoot our way down the stairs, go through like between our car and the wall of our carport and there's just like mango branches everywhere and I'm not looking up. I'm just like keep looking down, keep looking down. We open the door. He tells me run, 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 like run into the, you know, run into the bathroom. The bathroom is the only place, like run into the bathroom. So it's like a kind of a spiral. So the bathroom is like, back wall is the carport wall so Mm -hmm. it's the safest thing there's no glass there's like three tiny slits that go into the carport Mm -hmm. everything else is concrete um, so we go this in there. is not below ground level, right? This no, is just this the first is, floor. This is just the first floor. Okay. Um, and it happens to be like on a hill. So part of it kind of 
right. backs into the hill. Okay. Um, so from there, the, the, the only thing that was dry in the entire downstairs apartment was the shower because there's like a little wall lip on the bottom of right. the shower. So me and the cats are in the shower with some towels and stuff. And then... Kind of ironic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then immediately, like my husband just starts sweeping the water because there's obviously like, there's water all over the floor. The mattress is soaked. The pillows are... Everything in this place is soaked. So he just starts sweeping the water into the drain that's like in the middle of the bathroom to try to make a dry space so mm-hmm. that we can at least have the whole bathroom dry and it's not like just the shower. Because mm-hmm. the bathroom actually downstairs is bigger than our bathroom upstairs. I'm like, oh, this, this won't be so dark. And um, so from there, it was like, okay, so let's light some candles. Let's give the cats some food. So like calm them down or something and try to act normal. And I'm sitting there in my journal (laughs) writing everything that's going on. And he's just sweeping the water and still like I'm trying to check on him every once in a while and see if his pupils are still the same and if he's bleeding more. And, you know, got my first aid kit downstairs and, and just try to keep ourselves occupied for as long as possible. Because by this point, it was still only, like we got down there at 11 o'clock at night. We didn't leave that downstairs bathroom until 6.30 the next morning. And wow. we were the entire time. We thought the next morning, like 5.30, we thought we were just getting the eye. It turns out we didn't get the eye. We just got all of the wall all the time. So we had like the worst of it consistently. And so we just waited in the bathroom for like an extra hour because we were told like if the eye comes it'll be like about an hour of calm and then it'll get crazy, crazy again. Right. So we waited an hour and then we're like it's not getting crazy again. <laughs> you think it's safe? So then Rich went upstairs to check and he took some video and brought it back down and like the first time I left the house was closer to like seven-ish and I went outside and it still looked like you know like first thing in the morning that kind of like dark blue like Mm -hmm. creepy Mm -hmm. and it was still that dark and it looked like a fucking bomb had gone off like like I just started crying like there were no words at all like the devastation that you were seeing the loss of houses the like I'm used to looking out my door and or window and just seeing jungle everywhere I can see everything like not a tree anywhere like i can see all the houses that were hidden behind trees i can see you know villages that there's not a chance i could see before and like this just haze of i don't even know what like over everything and it was just like like i couldn't tell honestly if i was dead because i was just like no fucking way this is reality like wow. This is not where I live. This is not normal. This isn't like this is what the fuck. And then I was like, maybe this is like lost. Like maybe, like, maybe, <laughs> maybe now, maybe the afterlife is like finishing my unfinished business in life. So they just put me on Dominica in like the worst place ever, like with all of this disaster. And now my afterlife is going to be to fix it. <laughs> like, wow, that was pretty much what it felt like. And until we saw other people. Like other people that we knew, and we could be like, okay, people are alive. We were just like, we were in a just shock and like, this can't be real. How many people died on your island? Do you know? <clears throat> I think about 30 confirmed, which, um, be, like, to some people, they're just like, oh, well, you know, at first we were hearing numbers like it wasn't going to be in the hundreds. Mm-hmm. And for the kind of damage that like we saw around the island, you'd easily believe it. Um, but we had the highest death toll per capita because we only have 70,000 people on our island. 
So it's like when you think about how few people there are, all Mm -hmm. of a sudden 30 people, especially on an island like ours where a lot of people are related or like, you know, by marriage or by blood, you're related to pretty much everyone on the island. So everyone's going to be affected by it. Doesn't matter if it's not in your village, like you're going to know someone who lost someone. Right. So it was gnarly. But a lot of our friends had, you know, we all got together and like, you know, told our stories and just talked to only like the people who, you know, like who had the same experience. And you're just like, everyone had some horrible, horrible thing happen to them. And yeah, like everyone was changed by it. Did that give you like a new appreciation for life after that? Oh, absolutely. Did you were like, wow. I'm like, alive. I'm alive. Yeah. yeah. Like made you so much more grateful. For everything. Yeah. For everything. And when you have like, so we still don't have power. Um, mm-hmm. We still don't have most things. Like we have running water. Um, but not having power for that long, like it's basically like camping every night. So um, my husband and I will be celebrating 10 years together in February. Wow. I did not think there were this many things that we didn't know about each other that we could find out during this period of no power. But like telling stories that you've just like overlooked or like haven't told because what's the reason of telling your second most scary story in life or like ghost stories that you used to tell you know people mm-hmm. or like the most embarrassing stories and all that kind of stuff that you're just like, well, now let's get to know each other in a whole new way. Yeah. And even when you when you have that relationship with someone, like until you're in that position, you never really know if someone would risk their lives for yours. And mm-hmm. I watched someone do that for me. Yeah. And that was huge. Like, so that obviously brought you guys closer together. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. And then it also showed me who's not my friend, <laughs> who does not give a shit if I live or die. Yeah. So that was good. Like when I got uh, communication back, which took like a few weeks. You know, I had messages waiting for me. I had, I saw social media. I could see who, like, who knew where I was, and a lot of people who were just like, "Does anyone know if she's alive?" And you know, and a lot of people like asking Jenna, and Jenna was in contact with my family, and but my family hadn't heard from me, so like, no one was going to know anything. And then there were other people that just still haven't even said, "Hey, how you doing? Good to know you're alive. Like, nice to see that you made it." So I'm like, okay. Just remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I wouldn't have been that petty before, but like when it's life or death, I'm like, nope. Now I'm I'm definitely keeping tabs. I think it's hard for people to imagine what that's like or going through that because you know, like I've never been through anything like that. So, um, I mean, you know, you feel very removed from it, having just living in the city and all that. But like, no, there's hearing that removal. story from you, you know, first person, I'm like, whoa. It's some shit. Like, I mean, I knew it was bad, but I guess I, I couldn't really comprehend what when it could we have watch, been like. When we watch TV and we see reports of these like places anywhere that's going through natu- natural disaster, mm-hmm. if it's floods, if it's fires, hurricanes, doesn't matter. We see like the disaster porn, and we're so like just we're so jaded to it. Like mm-hmm. we see gore all the time. We see mm-hmm. destroyed things all the time. It's in movies constantly. And until I think either you really experience it or you hear what people have to go through. Like, it's not just like you wake up in the morning and everything's gone. It's like you had to survive. Like, you had to get through that day or that night or whatever. And if you don't have the opportunity or there is no availability to evacuate or to do, like, mm-hmm. we can't just go to another state. We can't just, like, mm-hmm. you know, take off. And at that point, you can't even take a boat somewhere else because the waves are obviously in one direction or another. You're going to get stuck by huge waves. So you, 
you really learn things that unless you know someone who has been seriously, and then you also have to think about like in your socioeconomic group, how many people are going to have the kind of experience where if you have a really fancy house in a nice neighborhood, maybe it could stand up to some of these storms or to some of these, you know, disasters. Obviously, it doesn't matter when a fire comes through. If you're mm-hmm. rich or poor, like a fire is going to take down everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, who do you hear these experiences from and who, what gets publicized? And like right now, I totally understand. There are some people that know that I moved to some island, but don't know what island. And Dominica hasn't been in the news. Yeah. Like it got this much attention in the news. And then like you'll read, you know, articles about Puerto Rico or something and it'll say like, and some of the lesser Antilles or some of the leeward islands. And you're like, no, 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 it was one leeward island. It was Dominica. Yeah. Like the island to the north and the south of us were fine. Mm-hmm. They did not get hit. Like they got a little tropical storm <laughs> breeze. Yeah. They're fine with that. Like, yeah, I think Puerto Rico has just dominated the news so much. Because, well, when you have someone like Trump just like fucking everything up so bad in <laughs> Puerto Rico land, like it's easy to forget that there's, you know, anyone else existed. Like I wish Trump would just make the mistake of like calling Dominica Dominican Republic just so he would bring some attention over to yeah. us. And I can't believe I actually just said I wanted him to do anything I remotely know, involved in my life. leave office. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but if it means, you know, getting some more attention because his buffoonery, you know, like invites that, please give it to me because we just, we need it. <clears throat> like, even though things are getting better now, it's still, it would be nice for people to appreciate um, what we're going through. And not even people that know us, but... We've been very public, like either, you know, in my life, I've just always been in the public, whatever. And then with our new business, we've kind of tried to make it very accessible. And like Mm -hmm. we were talking about people who want to know about the island come to us. Um, But one of the things that I've experienced since is people who forget that we live there. Yeah. And that we lived through this and that we're not relief workers that like showed up on the island after Mm -hmm. because all the relief work that we're doing was because I was watching things go wrong. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we need to fix these things or do these things or fill in the gaps where the government can't help or it's mm-hmm. not a priority or whatever. Um, but it led people to think like, oh, you have resources, you can do everything. And we're like, no, 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 Like, keep expectations low. We are still recovering. We are just trying to do our part. To yeah. help, and as expats, unfortunately, we kind of have to work a little harder to mm-hmm. prove it, and a little harder to show that we're serious, and a little harder to show that we're in it. But then, when you are like, "Well, you're just looking at my white skin or hearing my American accent and assuming that I'd, I'm not dealing with the same things you're dealing with right now." Mm-hmm. Um, so, having people come at me like on Instagram or through the blog and be like, "You're just trying to get attention for." Um, for yourself and you're not really helping anyone and I'm like first of all you can go to this website and look at the laundry list of things that we have personally done to mm-hmm. assist our community and the communities around us which I just wrote a blog about how difficult stuff like that is for me to write because I just want to do it I don't mm-hmm. want to talk about it but because other people gave money I need to tell them where their money is yeah. going. Yeah, that like that's how that works. Yeah, I would love to say I have someone else, like an assistant, doing that. I don't have anyone to do that for me. Yeah. So when I do have internet, when I do have power, which obviously I didn't have until I came to the U.S. like a few days ago, mm-hmm. um, 
I don't have the ability to just get on and type something up. And then a lot of times I just don't have the emotional strength at that moment to say, this is what we're going through or this is what we're doing. And then to have to defend myself constantly. And like, I should just be able to live and like everyone else and just survive and work on my survival. But somehow, even helping has made us a target for whatever other people's issues. Yeah. Where can people go to? So, if people have been listening, which hopefully they have, and they know how much help you guys still really need, yeah. where can they go to donate to help out? So, they can go to oursaltypassports.com. Okay. Um, that's our blog, and there are links on there for our You Caring. Um, if you also just go to You Caring and search Our Salty Passports, um, you should be able to find us. But right now, we're raising money specifically for a few things. Um, there's a big problem underwater with all the galvanized roofing that came off and is now underwater. Um, so there are some areas where it's still reefs are beautiful and you can still go diving. There's maybe just a few pieces of galvanized that we can pick up, like me and my husband can go out and handle it. There are other areas where it's galvanized as far as you can see and it's just like layers and layers of it. So we're trying to raise money to um, basically get some awesome guys uh, who do relief salvage and uh, kind of like commercial industrial diving, which I do not do, um, to help us on some of the bigger things that Mm -hmm. are a little too much for us. Um, They're all public safety divers. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to help get them over so they can not only map our area and like see what's going on under the water in our area, but the entire island, which is a lot of work. Um, We want to make sure that we can get even better than we were to start. So clean up our ocean and make it gorgeous again. Um, We're also, we've already fed a lot of people. Luckily, food is coming in now, so it's not our top priority. Um, We are, though, trying to get plastic shredders on the island to start basically... You get water donated, you get a lot of plastic bottles. We don't have recycling on the island. And so now it's just like giant plastic trash heaps and trash in the ocean and more trash in the rivers. So we're starting an initiative with the Rotary Club to buy plastic shredders, to make plastic shredders um, so that we can start doing that. We can start paying people to bring in plastic and kind of help stimulate the economy. We also want to put a roof back on the library in Portsmouth and get people back in it, get books back in it. There are a lot of kids that won't be back in school anytime soon. And if we can provide them with another place to have some schooling, even if it's the preschool kids going to the library, we want to do that. Um, So we're kind of finding these little things here and there that with the money we've already raised, we can do. And then as we get more money, kind of try to figure out what is the best way What's the best way to spend that money so that m- the most people can benefit from it? Because um, it was really hard to like, you know, buy food and stuff and buy medical supplies and things and bring them to people who you knew were in special need, mm-hmm. who really weren't getting relief from anywhere, or people with very young children, or you know, the elderly or people with disabilities. And then you know, they're always going to be more. And once you drop the last bag off, it's you know you're going to find 10 more people that you want to help. And it became one of those things at a certain point where like, we need to let the serious professionals do that part. We can we can still direct them towards these neighborhoods and these areas. Right. But like, we have to move on to bigger things that lead to a sustainable future for yeah. the island. So that's what we're doing now. So if people feel especially in touch with the ocean or, you know literature or schooling or any of that um, we appreciate you know any money the other thing that we're buying obviously is chainsaws and 
tools, like power tools, because everyone needs to rebuild right now. And we're yeah. just trying to be like, if we can bring to a site a few different tools and a generator that you know we can come and go with so people can get stuff done at least more quickly and a little better than it was done before. Um, you know, that's what else are we going to do with our time right now? First of all, it's, second of all, it's like, crazy. Like the logistics of the damage. Oh yeah, control that you have to do. I mean, all these things. I, you know, somebody like me with no experience in such a thing would never have thought about. Like I wouldn't have thought about roofs in the ocean, but of course that makes sense because they got blown off and you're yeah. on an island and they're all over the island. Of course they're under the water. Yeah, that's crazy. But the government isn't going to do anything about that. To them, that's not. Uh, you know, it's it's. Not doesn't do anything priority. for them. Meanwhile, I'm like, well, it's it's tourism. It's yeah. also, you know, your entire fishing industry kind of yeah. relies on the ocean. Yeah. Um, but then there's a lot of education that goes along with that. So we're bringing in, you know, we're planning on bringing in scientists to come and help us determine which debris to remove and which to keep, like which is a good uh, substrate for coral to grow back. Right. And things like that. So there are a lot of things that also government definitely wouldn't think about the right. value of keeping something versus getting rid of it based right. on what could grow on it or what can live around it. So you need people who, that's their wheelhouse. That's what they do all the time. I am not in, you know, from a world of NGO, NPO stuff. I don't do relief. Like There were people that thought that that was like my thing when I was on this one relief boat. And I'm like, no, no, no. This is like, I'm just here with this stuff because... Because I have to go home and <laughs> I have to yeah. feed people because they have no food, and I'm like, and then I realized how many people like do that for a living, and I was just like, whoa, yeah. crazy. Yeah, I couldn't imagine doing that for a living. Like we saw relief workers come to our island and literally leave because they just weren't prepared. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if that's someone who does that for a living and they're not prepared, then how are we supposed to deal with this? Like as people, yeah. Like, well, I guess necessity is a big motivation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you got to do what you got to do. You just figure it out. Exactly. You yeah. do just figure it out. Yeah. Which is funny because there were a few days that before I figured out like how I was going to get to the US, I was like, okay, so do I have any battery power on like my battery powered lights? Like, if I needed to shoot something, like, because I need income at some point, like, yeah. would I be able to set up like, one wall somewhere that I could just shoot POVs in front of, you know, yeah. for like my POV website? I was like, does that. Is that totally like the most ridiculous thing I've ever thought in my entire life? Like of all the shit that I'm dealing with right now, like I'm like, could I? Is that feasible? Do I have a light? Can I? Can I recharge those batteries? <laughs> How do like, I shoot porn in the middle of this? In the like, middle of disaster. Yeah. I'm like, like it used to be in this one room. Like if you looked out the window in the back of my, my scenes, it's like this big pretty mango tree. I'm like now you could probably see like the neighbor's house or something <laughs> like. Be like, there's no like I can't even I can't even walk around my house naked anymore because there's just no cover. There's no cover. Yeah. So we just like I will be bringing back uh, big screens that Mm -hmm. go around our veranda so I can resume walking around naked whenever I please because the mango tree will not be back anytime soon. No. That's an intense story. I just want to be naked. Why can't I just be naked? Hurricane, motherfucking hurricane. I know, and then you feel guilty about just wanting like one day just to go to the beach and be in a fucking bikini and mm-hmm. just like smoke and joy and chill out without mm-hmm. people being like, "You're not working." Yeah, I know, right? And you're like, "But I but just I've want been, one day. I just been, want one day. I've been working. I promise. I promise." And that's when those pictures come in handy. Like, see, I've got proof. Yeah. I've been, I've been working my ass off. <laughs> Someone else took these for me. Like. Fuck you if I hear one person ask me, post more selfies, post more fuck off. Yeah, I'm like, plus, you don't want to see me right now. <laughs> well, I think you look pretty fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. I'll thank the makeup. Pfft, smack, smack. 
<laughs> I was like, I need a drag queen to beat this face right now. Like, I don't know how else to get rid of like the under eye circles except doctors, which, yeah. yeah. Well, I think, you know, I mean, it sounds like you've been through a lot. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, you will regain some normalcy to your life sometime soon. Well, yesterday I had Cammie doing my makeup and it was the first time I had my makeup done in like, a year probably, which is crazy because it used to be like every, every fucking day. yeah, right. And I'm like, oh, I forgot what this was like, and then I'm like reminding myself, like, don't touch your eyes, don't touch your eyes. Yep, don't touch your eyes. Don't scratch All your these nose. things, and I'm just like, I haven't had to think about this in a minute. But it felt like it felt very nice and comforting in some ways, and then otherwise, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing right yeah. now? Like. And also, how do I how do I balance that like on social media? Like, yeah. I'm sure you've noticed like my entire yeah. KJD or KJ Danger doll has turned into like pure just post hurricane shit. So I don't really feel the same about posting like hot pictures of myself. Yeah. So the dichotomy kind of, of going from that then to yeah. like a sexy no. selfie of you like shooting porn. No. I can understand how you would have that struggle, but it's yeah. like also too you have to go on with your life Business, and yeah. you have to make money so that you can So I just tell everyone to follow like my super porny accounts. I'm like I have other accounts. This is your time to follow them. Yeah. <laughs> go for the clickbait. Go that way. Go that way. Please. And I'm hoping people follow but don't just stop following my other one. <laughs> that wouldn't be so good. But yeah, like obviously my posts have changed and Unfortunately, or like the reality of our business, my life was kind of already changing in that way where Mm -hmm. I was starting to post more dive stuff and like more just hot girl in a bikini stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it might be that was my transition, I guess, into Mm -hmm. this post hurricane life that I didn't know I was going to live. I'm like, well, now they're kind of more used to it or like a little more okay with it. Yeah. So I appreciate that. And there haven't been as many people like open bobs and such, you know, (laughs) the typical. (laughs) Yeah. There's been less of that, which I totally appreciate. But like, yeah, I have, please call me salty, call me a bitch. Like, I have zero patience for like freebies now. I'm just not yeah. posting them. I'm like, join my site for sure. I'll be super porny all over my site. Like, mm-hmm. if you're messaging me within my sites and mm-hmm. stuff, but like, Twitter just, mm, yeah. No. Well, speaking of porny, I have, you're featured in this book. <laughs> So I wanted I to give you a copy. I, I don't know exactly where you are. You're in here somewhere. Somewhere. Where the hell are you? Pictures. Where are you? Okay, I like oh, another girls too. Dude, so do you remember this place that we shot, this dungeon that yes. we shot in? Do you remember what happened? This is the one that burned down, isn't it? Yes. yes. And the guy was murdered. Yes. Yes. And then yes. his dog. Okay, so. That was insanity. I do remember. So Kayla and I shot in this dungeon, which was really <sighs> cool. And the the guy who owned it, what was his name? John, I think. I don't even remember. I think his God. name was John. Was anyway, such he, a child. He had a wolf. <laughs> his he had a hybrid wolf dog. I remember that dog. It was like dog was kind of insane because yeah. I went in, when I went in to pay him at the end of the day, the wolf was in the office with him and it was like kind of giving me the eye and I was like, I'm not gonna go try to pet that thing. And um so like so anyways, we shot there and then I reached out to him like a couple months later because I wanted to go back and shoot again and he never responded to me. And I was like, oh what the hell? I come to find out that one of the guys that was working there, who we also saw because he was there at the time, yeah. he was like the, I don't know, studio manager or something, yeah. ended up killing the owner and then lighting the studio on fire. on fire. And the guy's wolf hybrid dog died because when he was stabbed, the dog wouldn't leave his side. I know. This is like the saddest part for I know. Me. I was about to say, I care so much more about the dog. Me like, too. <laughs> and so when the place burned down, he wouldn't leave his owner's side, so he died in the fire. 
<laughs> next to his honor. So sad. So sad. But At yeah. this magical place. It was crazy. The life. Yeah. You know how many places actually that like I've shot things that don't exist for other like totally fucked up like weird reasons. You're just like, whoa. Yeah. Well, remember when we went out and shot in like the desert? The desert, yes. And we like shot in these like abandoned, broken down houses. And then I was thinking about your hurricane story oh, when you said God. that. And I was like, kind of like you know, that. You know what I remember? Like, remember there was the a random most, boat? Like, yes. And the, in the, the middle of the, the desert? weird dead sheep things. Yes. And, and I remember being like sandblasted in the vagina by like actual <laughs> sand. Like, yes. nature was just like, nope. In the wind tunnel. Yeah. It's yeah. like, nope, I'm going to give you a nice buffing today yeah. all over, and then you're just going to have to get sand out of your snatch later. Have fun with that. Yeah. So, <laughs> but that was so much fun. Yeah. The sheep was super creepy. Yeah. That was. was like, we just walked into like, why are there clouds on the ground? Oh, like, that's wool. No. <laughs> like, yeah. It was the whole, there was, there was definitely thing like, was weird. the whole thing was kind of like, what happened here? You know? Yeah. It was definitely had that feeling to it. Which I feel like a lot of my early, stuff for my site and like when I was shooting a lot of like that alt girl stuff they always wanted to put you in like abandoned somewhere and yeah. it was like the punk rock thing like, to do yeah, yeah it was like abandon everything yeah. and I love like finding those like magical abandoned places like when mm-hmm. I'm out traveling and stuff and my island's full of those like old like rum factories and like cool yeah. old like stone buildings those are the ones that like stood up first yeah. of all. Like those are still up. Well, like the they old shit. Yeah. the test of time. But I'm like now there are going to be so many more ruins that I could like Go in because I was about to get like photographers to come out, and I I talked to you about it. Yeah. Like, come out and shoot in Dominica. It's beautiful. Blah, yeah, blah, yeah. Blah. I wanted to shoot a whole like just kind of more like glammy naturey mm-hmm. stuff, and I was just like, this is the perfect place to do all kinds of that. And I had a few uh, bathing suit companies that wanted me to shoot ad stuff for them, so I'm just like, I'll get a photographer. I will shoot all over the island, like all the best spots. Mm-hmm. And then this happened, and I was like. So I could get someone to shoot like all all the ruined spots and like be naked in a disaster zone. And yeah. I'm like, if only my country was slightly more liberal, I could be like, yeah, let's make it a charitable book and like sell it and like Actually, not make this idea. whole thing. But I'm like, Ugh, I guess someone else could do it. Like I'm a little too... Like I'm trying to get citizenship. So. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what the limit is. Like I don't know what the we're okay with this limit is on the yeah. island. Like, I feel like I might have to come to Jesus before they say it's okay. So I don't know if that, that might be my future. <laughs> Jesus no might idea. be in your future. Oh my God. First of all, I love seeing some of the girls in here that I'm like, oh, I remember when they were in the industry because I've been in the industry so fucking long. Yeah. I'm like ancient. Oh, yeah, a lot of those girls are not anymore. And I'm just like, where did this one go? Like, yep. ah. And occasionally I'll hear about like one of, you know, like those girls coming back for like, a minute, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, the industry's too different now. Like, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't do it anymore. Yeah." And it's then there was someone like, was. "Oh, I really wanted to shoot with her. Whatever happened to her?" And then you either hear like an amazing story, uh, she had a baby story, or a you know, yeah. the life took over. And yeah, I had a girl hit me up the other day who I shot a long time ago, and she was like, "Hey," she's like, "So I contacted Hustler because I really wanted to shoot for them again, and you know, the cover that you shot me for for Hustler is one of my favorite pictures, and they said that they no longer like." commission shoots and that they just have photographers shoot for them so they told me to contact you and so like yeah I'm living out here blah 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 and I was wondering you know if you would shoot me like for Hustler and I'm like no first of all I haven't shot for Hustler in forever um, because they only buy on spec and I just I don't 
I, like, like they, no. they have so many times rejected my sets, and I've spent and all this money. And you didn't money. have any other anywhere yeah. else for it to go. And I'm just like, like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm just not going to go there. I'm going to go with like where clients that I know are going to pay me pay, yeah. for what I do. Nothing against Hustler. I mean, I love them, but like it just doesn't work for no. me in my in my model anymore. Um, and I'm like, so you want me to fly you out here, shoot you, pay possibly you. for Hustler. You don't have like a name at all anymore because you haven't been producing. Oh. And then like you don't want to shoot video, you don't want to shoot anything hardcore, and then I'm gonna fly you back. Are you out of your fucking mind? So I'm gonna guess this is someone from like like back in the day, like when I first started, because the only way you could do non hardcore, no yeah. video, like me, was yeah. back then. And people yeah. were like, I love when I get that question these days, like, how are you even in like how did you get into the industry if you don't do any of these things? And like because you used to be able to do that back in the day. Like I was yeah. on every like every college girl website, every like that was just how girls made a living. Like you could totally do that. I remember and then that just I contacted, I contacted you through Model Mayhem, yeah, and I thought you were going to reject me, and you were very particular. We had a ba- we had a very yeah. back and forth, a lot of back yeah. and forth, and you were like, "I'll do this, I do that, you need to pay me this." Da, da, da. I was like, "She's a hard partner," but it was like but we at, could the do time, that at the time, yeah, yeah. at the time 100%. it was like. There was just that part, but it was also like the time when even, you know, solo sites were such a Mm -hmm. huge thing. So a girl could, you know, fully support herself. Girls could ask for like what are boy girl rates now for solo scenes back then. So it was like, yeah, you can make a living doing whatever. Yeah. But now it's like, no, you have to, you know, it's not that you have to do everything, which I hate when I hear girls say that because I'm like, no, there's still new girls that come in. They don't do anal immediately. Mm -hmm. They're not doing gangbangs. You just have to find your niche. You have yeah. to figure out what you're good at, what you like doing. No one wants to see someone trying too hard. That's well, like you definitely have your niche. I mean, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so like cuz I obviously look at your posts and I'm super so you do financial domination, right? I do. I'm that to me honestly is like one of the most fascinating things because you basically yell at somebody to give you money and they give you money. And I just like, that is so fascinating to me. So maybe tell us a little bit about that because a lot of people don't even know that something like that exists. Yeah. Well, in my whole history of fetishes, like there are a lot that, um, you know, that I've experienced or explored because a huge reason why I got into the industry was to explore my own sexuality and what I find interesting, what turns me on. Um, and tease. Tease is, you know, a huge part of what I do, whether mm-hmm. it's in the the femdom world or in the mainstream world. Mm-hmm. And tease turns me on, like mm-hmm. teasing someone, showing them what they can't have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, is a turn on for me. That is like what gets me going. Like every time I get up to shoot, I'm like, that's mm-hmm. right, you can't have any of this. And so it makes you know all these domination scenarios that much better when I'm like, I'm coming from a very true place. That's like. Mm-hmm. I am the shit in my life mm-hmm. and I do not need any of this. I don't mm-hmm. need any of you. But if you know that the only place you can come into my life is by putting money down, putting it, you know, handing it to me or, you know, sending it to me and that's the only way you're going to get attention, that's the only way you're going to get to interact in my life, know that you have a presence in my life in any way. Then so be it. Because truthfully, that's what we all do with <laughs> porn, right? Because otherwise, we're not doing it for fun. Like we're doing it to make money. But financial domination is the only thing where you're literally like straight up you're on like, the table, yeah. like give me money, give or, me your money, like, where you're just so explicit about your intentions. Yeah, and, and people love that. Yeah, and it's that's what I like about most fetishes, though, because they're just like this is the one thing that I am looking for, and as long as they know, you can either say this is a 
I'll say lifestyle transaction where it's there's no money being passed back and forth. This is like this is you twenty four hour whatever if it's your live in situation mm-hmm. or what have you. When you're hiring a professional, it doesn't matter if it's an escort or a dominatrix or an online person or a cam girl. You are paying a professional, like a shrink, to help you with your kink. So you know what that kink is. And yes, I might thoroughly enjoy it, but there is also a part of this, you are paying me for my services. Right. So it's hard sometimes with people who are now kind of, they're seeing fetishes be kind of thrown all over the place more. They see people playing with financial domination or other areas of domination. And they're having trouble separating the idea of paying for a domination service and financial domination. Mm -hmm. So once you start asking someone, you're like, tell them, well, now it's time for you to pay. And they're like, I'm not into FinDom. And you're like, yeah, well, you don't go into a restaurant and when they ask for your money at the end of a meal, you're like, I'm not into FinDom. (laughs) No, you pay for your fucking meal. So I'm like, guys, um, no. So if you tell me FinDom is what you're into... I will put you on a schedule if it comes to like, you know, you're going to pay me this much money, you know, this many times a week, or you're actually going to, you know, it used to be if when I was in the US, you'd actually send me physical cash or bring me physical cash. Wait, did you cash. call it FinDom? Yeah. Oh, fin-dom. so financial yeah. domination yeah. as opposed to FemDom. Yeah. See, that's a new word for me. I had never heard that before. Yeah. Oh, I'm so, learning something. You know, there's so many facets. And it's not to say that someone who's into financial domination isn't into feet or isn't into mm-hmm. stockings or whatever. I have some people who, you know, they want me to play a whole part and that's part of, you know, the way that they get into financial domination. Um, some people like, you know, blackmail fantasy, mm-hmm. which is obviously a huge do not fucking touch this, ladies, unless you have a great lawyer and that you know what the fuck you are doing. Mm. There's a huge difference between actual blackmail and blackmail fantasy. Keep those. <laughs> keep like actual those, rape and rape fantasy? Yeah, keep those separate. Like know your consent, know your le- you know, legal yeah. situation, make sure that you have the right paperwork and all of that. Same thing with even financial domination. There have been women who don't you know, cover themselves properly and all of a sudden they're getting sued for few thousand dollars or you know tens of thousands of dollars because of money that they've drained someone of and right. they and say oh, I was under the influence or they used you know they coerced me in ways that I couldn't you know fight against or whatever and sometimes right. you have old people who say oh I'm old they took advantage of me and you're like you were getting off the entire time stop lying yeah you know but then say he said she said and all of a sudden the dominatrix is predatory and yeah. you're like actually this person haunted me for months trying to get me to you know take their money. Mm-hmm. Like some people you just don't get a good vibe from. Mm-hmm. I won't meet, I don't care how much money you tell me you're going to meet me with like in person for a, a cash meet or something. You're paying a deposit, mm-hmm. first of all, because if you have the kind of money that you, you want to hand me $5,000 in cash, you can put 150 down you know, mm-hmm. via the internet to make sure that I show up. Because if I show up and you don't show up, at least I have $150 in my bank account, I can go back home and whatever. Um, I don't think I've ever had a no-show for a cash drop. There's it's like... So fumbly and like so excited to give up their money and like run away because they're so scared of you that they're just like. So ah! wait, they want to meet you in person, give you the cash in and just, person, and then just leave. Yeah. What? I've had other ones where it's just like a literally a I'll be drinking at a bar. They come up. Um, they they will give me money and they'll go sit like at the other end of the bar and just kind of have like a voyeur awkward. Here's my money. I want to watch you spend it, but I don't want to be a part of it. And like, okay, that's incredible Works for me. What's you know, there are one a lot of, of the, different? A what's lot of one of the craziest or strangest requests you've had? 
You're like, let me go through the fucking Rolodex. Yeah. So before custom clips were like a popular thing, I had a website called Custom Kink Shop, and mm-hmm. that was honestly, I think that was like one of the first actual websites for custom videos, and I got. All kinds of requests. Obviously, it didn't matter if they were things that I did or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there was one that I swear it was like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, but porno version. There were like 12 dudes in like ninja costumes, and it was supposed to be in some bamboo jungle. And apparently, one woman was supposed to handle these 12 ninja dicks. And I was like, <laughs> first of all, you just described like a $45,000 minimum single scene. So I'm like, <laughs> Oh my no. god. Um another one that's Ninja up tech. there was definitely one that was like it was something with um like some racial abuse and mm-hmm. it was like I do not go anywhere they call near it race play. Yeah, I don't go anywhere near race play, religious stuff. I just don't. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to run for Congress, but I just you're not I just don't. With it. I'm not comfortable do it. with it. Yeah. yeah. And so this person wanted something that was like me playing uh, an American soldier and someone of some Middle Eastern race. And it actually was really kind of weird because it, it just went in directions. And I was like, it was like I had saved them during the war. And it was like someone from a village that I'd saved. And then, but then I like made them my slave. And, or not that I made them my slave, but like they felt compelled to thank me by like being subservient to me so that they would like lick my bo- like dirty sweaty body clean and like they would bow to me and ask if there was anything they could do for their new american god and i was like whoa whoa i was just like yeah i don't feel comfortable with that also like i don't want to get dirty and be licked like i don't yeah. know if you watch my porn but it's kind of on the pretty side yeah <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not like, I'm a clean person. I don't know about that. Yeah. So there have been things like that where I'm just like, do I need to respond to this? Like mm-hmm. with just a simple no? Like, I, like, because if, if you go into any more detail, you know that there's going to be another response. And I'm like, I don't want another response. Yeah. I just want just no. Yeah. That, between that and, and people wanting to buy my shit. Yeah, I've, that's another one that I've I can that. appreciate my friends who do that, and I've been offered like crazy money for it. But yeah. I'm just like, ah. Yeah, there was a guy who ca- mm. I've told this story before on this podcast, and it's <laughs> kind of funny. It's like this running joke that somehow my podcast always end up I talk, end up talking about poop, <laughs> and I swear to God, I'm not into poop. But there was this one guy who, who wanted <laughs> me to eat my poop. Yep. Um, always. And I thought I was really special because he'd contacted me and he even tried to negotiate. <laughs> I was like, like you offered me more money and stuff, and then I found out that he'd like contacted every girl in the industry. There are but, a few of them because the thing yeah. is, they're just like they're so. How many of them can there be? I don't know. You know, I actually looked up once, like how do people get into that? Mm-hmm. Because I've done research on my client base before, but this one I was just like, I gotten like three, three offers in like a matter of a month and I was like whoa what has become so popular recently yeah. in like shit eating that like in the shit what, eating world yes, what could it possibly be climb. and I tried looking it up and I honestly still could not find a legitimate answer so if anyone's listening if you know <laughs> into why this shit, people are into yeah, shit please feel free to like send me links and stuff I don't need to see visuals just links we just want to know we want to know the know. psychology yeah I really it. do because I don't understand it and like 
I don't think I could pass that movement without like gagging, thinking about like, I don't care how much money you're putting in my hand. That's just like, yeah, no, pee, fine. Yeah. Be fine. Yeah. That's, that's no problem. Like, that's, that's normal. Pee <laughs> that's like, on yourself if you get stung by a jellyfish. It's so sanitary. that's totally normal. Yeah, totally normal. But um, yeah, but the weird shit that we hear. I mean, come on. Like, yeah. especially being part of the fetish world, there's always going to be someone with a weirder request. And then my favorite is when they tell you how obsessed they are with you, and then they give you their weird request, and then follow it with "fuck you, cunt" when you say no, and you're yeah. like, "Oh, you're my fave. I knew you're going to be like this." Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so happy that guys like you exist and are like the majority of the porn watching fucking world. Please tell me there's hope for our future in making pretty pornies like that. I can't offer you that hope, but we can hope. We can we hope can for hope. the hope. You know, whatever. <laughs> it makes me so happy to like see you doing your thing and doing this and like still, you. you know, fighting the good here. fight. Fighting yeah, good fight. dude. Yeah. It's one of those things that's like when I look at Joanna and like everything she's doing, I'm mm-hmm. like fucking knew that bitch was gonna just keep going forever yeah and you and jackie and all the other females in this industry that just like keep at it keep going and it's like you know you get appreciated for your work but still it's like when you look around at the you know like joanna just posted something about uh winning something over axel braun like in a category at like oh, eight really? awards or something and she's like ah and i'm like Dude, that is a huge, first of all, you know, when you're up against companies that just always take it because mm-hmm. they're those kinds of companies and you're like, I just want people to like pay for my shit. I don't care about awards. I don't care yeah. about anything. Like, I mean, I want, I want people to want to show up to my shoots. That's always been a point of pride for me. Like, mm-hmm. and I feel like you're, I don't know if you feel this, but I know females love shooting for you and like girls will always say like, I you hope know, so. Yeah, they have that good experience. They always feel gorgeous in front of the camera. That's why they want to come back. And I've had yeah. girls say that to me. They're like, I love how I look in, you know, in the content that I shoot mm-hmm. with you. I want to shoot more. Mm-hmm. Like, and even if it's something as silly as like, can I use the Avi because it's, you know, whatever? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, thank you. You like the content we shot. Yay. Yeah. You're not like, oh, let's put this one in the fucking, like, let's never show that scene ever again. I know I've got some of those. <laughs> we, <laughs> we can just hide do. those. We all do. <laughs> we just we all do. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Kayla. Thank you for having me. I'm glad you're still alive. Yes. (laughs) And um, for those of you listening, again, if you want to um, help Kayla rebuild her uh, island, she can go to, is it Our Salty Passports? Yeah, I know. And then if you want to help me, join mydollparts.com. You know, join KaylaJanePOV.com. Check out all my sites. If you go to KaylaJaneDanger.com, it has all my links, like a million of them. But yeah, because we're not, um, Jenna started a fundraising thing for us and apparently no one likes us. So so um, our life is is second to, you know, our neighbors and stuff. We obviously are still surviving, but unless my business picks up, I am going to start promoting my own personal you caring because <laughs> at some point, girls got to eat and yep. got to pay the bills. So yep. join me on my websites, help Dominica, tell people it exists. <laughs> I appreciate it. We all appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kayla. So uh, again, that's our salty passports and uh, my doll parts. My doll parts. I'm like, I know there's like our, a my. I know. I know. Which one? My doll parts. Our salty passports. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Well, that was an incredibly gripping episode. You know, when Kayla started talking about 
you know, the the windows blowing out and the doors blowing off and the storm going outside and how she literally thought that she was going to die during that hurricane. It really sent chills up and down my spine. And, you know, I, I just, it makes me realize how incredibly lucky we are to not have to experience um, a natural disaster like that. And, you know, I do live in LA and we are always anticipating the big one, which is supposedly coming any day now. But I have yet to live through a serious natural disaster. And listening to Kayla's story just made me realize how incredibly lucky I am to be alive and to be really what is a guest on this planet Earth and just reminded me that we really need to respect the environment and how as humans we really think that we have a grapple on the elements and that, you know, we can control this planet and we can control nature. But stories like that just make you realize that that is absolutely not the case. And we're really just little tiny creatures on a very big planet. And we're just lucky to be here. So thank you, Kayla, for coming on and reminding us of that. And we're so glad that you're safe. And we just really appreciate you sharing your story with us. Next week on the podcast, I'm going to have my very first podcast sponsored by ManyVids. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And I'm going to have on a very special guest, Caden Cross, who's one of the smartest girls in this industry. I've known her for a very long time. She runs her own business now. She has her own website, Trenchcode X, where she's producing really beautiful artistic content. So I'm very excited to get to talk to her about how she came up with that, how that's all going for her, and her vision for the future. So make sure that you tune in next week for Caden Cross here on Holly Randall Unfiltered.